1: Hello, good evening. Welcome to Eyewitness News coming to you live from our studios at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka, in Accra. My name is Salom Adunu. Tonight, I'm here with Ino Coming up over the next 90 minutes, Member of Parliament for North Tong, Samuel Okujeto Blackwa has petitioned the World Bank to investigate a $48 million contract he claims was illegally and fraudulently awarded by Communications Minister to a company called the Ascent Digital Solutions Limited in a World Bank funded project also on eyewitness news
2: bank of ghana is not able to comply with its own law to do the very things that the other banks are doing the bank has not filed and published its financial statements every 15 days the bank of ghana is supposed to gazette
1: the minority in parliament has raised questions about the failure of the bank of ghana to bank of ghana governor to file financial statements for the past six months tonight we hear from the minority on their concerns still on Eyewitness News, and I mean the the, the and the national the international justice movement has responded to allegations of staging child trafficking made by the BBC Africa Eye against it in a recent documentary. The group says the documentary was full of inaccuracies. Stay with 97.3 ctfm for more on this and other stories on eyewitness news and in business
3: economists expresses concern about slight increases in ghana's inflationary trends as inflation rises marginally to 42.5 percent for june we get to hear from professor Godfrey walkman in the next 50 minutes
1: there is more in business in the next 50 minutes eyewitness news is live across the country on all our affiliates and around the globe at citynewsroom.com. Your comments are welcome via WhatsApp line 549 You can follow me on Twitter at sellon. I don't know the hashtag, as always, is City Newsroom. Um, we'll take our first story from Eno.
4: The Member of Parliament for North Tong, Samuel Ukujeto blakwa has petitioned the World Bank to investigate a project being rolled out by the Ministry of Communication and Digitalization. According to the former Deputy Education Minister, the forty eight million dollar ascent contract for the project did not go through the public procurement authority
1: and he's joined us on the line to help us appreciate really what his concerns are. Hello, good evening, sir. Welcome to Eyewitness News. This is a very serious claim you are making, and and, and also making a very bold, you know, uh, p- petition to the World Bank to launch investigations into this particular contract. Tell us the details of this, sir.
5: Well, thank you very much. Good evening. Uh, certainly, these are serious matters. Uh, we are talking about huge sums of money, no Ghanian people. And remember that all of these quantum of money are loans. None of them is a grant. So let me take you through a quick background. For some time now, I've been looking into the activities of a Nigerian cabal, which is led by a gentleman called Philip Olaya, uh, the same guy behind KELNY-GVG, same guys behind smart InfraCo. some time ago you remember i exposed a smart workplace uh, deal uh, which uh, uh, at the time i exposed they did not go through procurement uh, approval they later on went for procurement ratification Uh, it doesn't it doesn't uh, take away the fact that it didn't go through due process the work was not also properly executed Uh, If you read a COVID-19 Auditor General's report, Smart InfraCo have been indicted uh, for not paying their taxes. They owe us about 1.75 million Ghana cities in in taxes. And that has been their their modus operandi. Uh, Very, very low regard or none at all for for our laws uh, and due process. Then now, uh, I have intercepted documents that another company they have created hurriedly incorporated called ascent digital solutions limited uh, purports to have won a 48 million dollar contract under the rural telephony project and they have used that 48 million dollar contract they say they have won uh, to win another contract uh, from the world bank uh, which is valued at 49.5 million dollars. Now I'll come to the World Bank in a minute. Let's 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 spend some time on this 48 million dollar contract. Now the background of this rural telephony project is that if you look at the Hansa, the official report of Parliament, on the 31st of March 2020, the House approved a commercial agreement. Now. The commercial agreement parliament approved was very specific on the contractors to execute this $155 million rural telephony project. Two contractors, they are Huawei and then uh, another Chinese company known as CNTIC. That is the approval that the House granted. And those who are conversant with the quality grain case and the CDB uh, precedent, the CDB loan precedent, uh, the, the the rule is that when Parliament has approved a matter, uh, that is what must be implemented. If you are going to carry out any variation, uh, you have to come back to Parliament. If you do not, it is illegal. You have engaged in illegal conduct, and uh, as was well established in the quality grain case, uh, you, you have yourself to blame when the law catches up with you. So so far as Parliament is concerned, we have been expecting all along that it is Huawei and CNTC, CNTIC, uh, which are the two companies uh, executing the Rural Telephony Project. Then I intercept these documents, uh, which reveal that uh, contrary to the parliamentary approval, apparently... Uh, this same Nigerian cabal has, as usual, found their way in there. Same tactics, same models of brandy, arm-twisting. And uh, they are the ones uh, executing this project, $48 million. uh, They claim is the award uh, they have been given. Then what is also interesting and quite worrying is that there is really no trace at the PPA. I did raise a right to information request with the Public Procurement Authority. And the Public Procurement Authority responded that there is absolutely no record at all of they granting approval uh, to Ascend Digital Solutions Limited to execute this $48 million uh, contract. Now, what is revealing is that Ascent Digital is using this $48 million uh, rural telephony project to give themselves track record, give themselves uh, gravitas, competence. And that is what they have used to enter into a JV uh, under shady circumstances. Uh, I'll come to that in a minute. Uh, To now win this $49.5 million contract they told the World Bank that they have executed this $48 million rural telephony project, and based on that, they have the track record. And interestingly, while the minister uh, is putting out tweets that she knows nothing about this Ascend Digital contract and daring me uh, to put out uh, the documents I have, I have since put out incontrovertible, unimpeachable documents from the minister's own ministry, agencies under her ministry, I put out the GIFEC letter signed by the administrator, which is really an attestation certificate confirming that there is a proof of contract between GIFEC and ASCENT. And this was contained in the tender documents submitted for the World Bank $49.5 million contract. So who, is, who, 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 who is, 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 is misleading the public? Who is, who is telling lies? Is it the minister or is it the administrator of, of, of GIFEC? Now, you have a situation where GIFEC has now put out a statement saying that they do not recall the most irresponsible and reckless statement I've ever seen from any public institution where they say that the proof of contract document which I have put out Uh, the administrator does not recall signing it. I mean, what does that mean? You're a corporate institution. You check your records. Either you don't have the document, you never signed it, or you did. You can't say that you don't recall. Meanwhile, you have made categorical statements to the World Bank, and based on that, you have just won uh, this year uh, $49.5 million dollars uh, contract for this same Nigerian cabal, which has totally taken over the communication space. They're doing whatever they want. They think that the country belongs to them. And I wonder, I mean, which Ghanaian really can go to Niger- uh, Nigeria and disregard our laws, just, you know, uh, right rough, totally trample upon all the laws. of of, of Nigeria and get away with it. And that is what we are seeing here. And you see, internal memos I am reviewing, tons and tons of them, it's clear that this whole $49.5 million World Bank e-transform project was secured under very dubious circumstances. First of all, when government took over Etel Tigo, the president ought to have appointed a board. There is no board. The Minister of Communications has arrogated to herself a board, and 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 Salome, you know, you you, you 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 cannot have a one-member board. It is not allowed under the laws of our country. The Companies Act is very clear, and nobody has appointed her uh, as 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 a board. And the 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 the, the, the share conflict of interest is 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 is, is mind-boggling. Where this is the same person acting as, as a board, clearly an illegal board, who uh, approves a JV, and I have all of those internal memos, uh, uh, tells uh, tell Tigo to go work with Ascent to secure this, this deal from the World Bank. And is the same person approving the contract. I mean, the, 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 the recklessness is, 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 is incredible, absolutely unbelievable. You know? So when you go through all of what has happened, and you see there is the tragic case, of a chief finance officer at Airtel who was raising the alarm internally, telling them to stop what they are doing. That look, we are going to there's going to be the day of accountability and and, and people, you know, are going to face uh the music. Guess what? The guy is removed from the, the procurement committee and only last week he's dismissed. <laughs> I mean totally, you know, uh, 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 taken out of the, of the place because he is insisting that the writing uh, be done. So this is a clear case of insider dealing, clear case of uh, misrepresentation, uh, clear case of uh, violation of our laws right from the PPA to even our laws on parliamentary approvals and, and all of that. And and that is why uh, I have now petitioned the world bank Ms. maria c malo the senior investigator uh who is the uh, vice president in charge of uh, integrity uh in washington i've also copied the ghana uh world bank office uh to to activate their anti-corruption you know that if you read page 10 of the e-transform contract they have stated clearly in the contract that if they discover that there has been any uh, unethical conduct any insider dealing any conflict of interest uh, they will launch investigations and uh, the, the the contract could be cancelled uh, so I, I'm activating that clause and uh, uh, requesting that the World Bank uh, formally launch investigations into all of these naked you know irregularities and infractions that have happened
1: hmm. very well so j- just so we are clear so there was an original 155 million dollar contract approved by parliament to be executed by huawei and cntic is that correct and yes. and so that contract some way somehow you claim found its way to adsl that is the uh the the ascent, ascent. digital so- solutions limited without yes. any proper processes is that correct
5: Yes, no parliamentary approval, and the minister did not come back to parliament to vary the commercial agreement we have approved.
1: But do you have any explanation as to, I mean, why this $155 million project to be executed by Huawei and CNTIC, you know, have had to be varied and given to uh, uh, ADSL, you know, at the tune of, uh, given to ADSL to execute at $48 million?
5: Absolutely no explanation at all. I mean what all we see are uh people saying they don't recall uh that they have signed documents, others have decided to just launch uh personal attacks at me. That's that's all we see. They're not speaking to the issues, to the facts that we are presenting.
1: But but you know the, the this the the uh the stage of this project, this forty eight million dollar project now being executed by ADSL. At what stage is this project? Are we are we done? with executing it or we are in the process of executing it or we are yet to start?
5: Well, according to the documents I'm reviewing, if you look at the GIFEC proof of contract certificate, they say that Aston is still executing it. Uh, They'll be executing it all year. That they started in February uh, 2020 and uh, they'll continue to execute it to the end of this year. Then I see also from the... Uh, Other documents, I'm reviewing the tender document where ASCEND is also claiming that so far they have delivered uh, 506 sites and about 250 have been commissioned. And so uh, uh, one gets the impression from the documents and the review that uh, ASCEND is still executing it. So it's, 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 it's an active contract.
1: Mm, but if you know if the World Bank comes in now, investigates and finds that there's a problem, then it means we lose out on this entirely. Um, people may say that this may not be. Uh, uh, I don't want to use the word patriotic, but if, if there is an issue, was is there not a way we could deal with this, get it resolved, and still maintain the project or keep the the World Bank? If they find something wrong, it means we lose everything entirely.
5: I am glad you asked this question, and let me humbly tell the Ghanaian people that it will be in our interest to lose this money uh, than for this money to go to this Nigerian cabal who have a long track record of not even getting the job done. Look, these monies are loans. Let's be clear. They are not grants. It's not free money. So you and I are going to pay. So whereas others are using all kinds of subterfuge, underhand dealings, insider dealings, conflict of interest, and uh, they have this unholy alliance they are abusing uh, to virtually grab all the juicy contracts in that space. We are going to pay for it. whilst they smile all the way to the bank, you and I will have to pay for this with interest because they are loans. It's not free money. So isn't it better? That we deny the cabal the money for them to take to Nigeria or the uh, Granada or the other Cayman Islands, the the places that when I track they like to go and play. Uh, is it not better so that we save money uh, and we don't have to <laughs> really uh have to pay back? Look at the the the, the state of this economy. We we we've been shut out of the capital market. Uh, we are now in a debt destra- distress situation. Should we be accumulating more debt uh, when there is no value for money, no PPA approval? Uh, the the laws are being trampled upon, and you have these you know shadowy characters who don't even want to step forward and be accountable. If you look at the uh, corporation documents that I have been analysing, so he is you know, behind the scenes, beneficial owner, and then others are fronting, they create the impression that it's a, it's a Ghanaian entity, but really it's not. You have uh, another Nigerian, Angela Onyoka, uh, who is uh, running day to day in the scheme of things. I mean, it's, 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 it's a typical, you know, Ponzi operation. And we cannot allow this cabal to continue to milk as dry. And then we say that in the name of patriotism. I don't think that that is patriotism. That is really selling your country cheap. That is allowing others to take you for granted, allowing others, other nationals, to come and rape you. I mean, this is a country that stood up against imperialism, that stood, stood up against slave raiders, against colonialists. We are not going to sit down and allow, you know, a new form under a, a new guise, you know, to manifest. We we, we are not going to accept that.
1: I I see. I mean, so so this is an activity which, uh, from your investigations, appear quite fraudulent and 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 shady, uh, being overseen by uh, a minister of state. You know, fortunately, this is a minister of state. Unfortunately, you are in parliament. Uh, have you used the parliamentary process to to get her to answer some of these critical questions? You know, to the people of Ghana, by way of accounting to the people, what happened to? The, 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 the originally approved Huawei CNTIC contract? How come that was varied to this ADSL contract? You know, to answer all these questions, have we done that yet?
5: So it's important for us to recognize that the parliamentary processes are quite wide and varying. So uh, being a member of parliament, it gives you some leverage to also commandeer documents to listen to whistleblowers, uh, to gather evidence, uh, we are doing that quite well. Then, being a member of parliament does not also preclude you uh, from activating other sources uh, uh, in terms of the accountability framework. So, this petition to the World Bank, uh, when a member of parliament sends out a petition uh, of, of this nature, you know, is taking a bit more seriously, and, and it, it, it does help. Remember that it's just the first leg. Uh, there are many other actions that are going to follow. Even with the conflict of interest aspect, remember that the Supreme Court held in my case against Jacob Chebelamte that for conflict of interest, the arena is 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 shrug. So that is also under consideration. Uh, then uh, we are going to. Uh, At some point, settle in for, you know, uh, other aspects that you may have to rely on, you know, a probe by the House. Remember that this petition, the Right Honourable Speaker has been copied, the Minority Leader has also been copied, so they are being fully briefed. They are being apprised as the matters unfold. At a point, we will need to have a full-scale parliamentary inquiry into this matter and into the entire, the whole gamut of uh, activities, the the state capture, and the hijack by this Nigerian cabal. We are coming for them. Their days are numbered. We will get them. Uh, but it's step by step. And uh, I can assure you that uh, we, we intend to fully exhaust all the parliamentary uh, opportunities that, uh, fortunately, the 1992 constitution gives us.
1: Will, will these options also include uh, getting the special prosecutor involved since... Uh, some of the allegations, you know, include procurement breaches.
5: Yes, uh, we we are exploring that as well. We are exploring that, and uh, the whistleblowers we are working with also have uh, uh, some other actions uh, which they will also be be carrying out. We have encouraged them. We have uh, secured lawyers for them uh, to, to to pursue some of those aspects. So it's an unfolding matter, and uh, they, they're going to be. Uh, many more angles to this, I can assure
1: you. Very well. Thank you so much. Uh, The Honorable Samuel Okujetua Ablauka, Member of Parliament for North Tongue, he has petitioned the World Bank to look into uh, some contractual arrangements between the Ministry of Communications and a firm, the ADSL, uh, which seeks to provide some technology solutions uh, for uh, the Rural Telephony Project, which is a World Bank project. He's petitioning the World Bank because uh, the money for the project was um, loaned to us by the World Bank. Eyewitness news on 97.3 City FM. A number of your messages uh, have been coming through, and this one uh, from the Negadafi in Yellow Crabble says, Sometimes I feel sad as a citizen of this country because the same people that campaigned to protect the public purse now under their own watch, the purse is nowhere to be found. I salute the Honorable uh, Samuel Okujeto uh, Ablaqua. General Otega says, Hello, it is clear. Uh, that we are living in an era of constitutional dictatorship, which ruled by law rather than rule of law. Uh, the spirit of our constitution has been assassinated, rendering the letter important, you see. Um This one from Emil Aquensivi in Essojaman says, Salom, what is going on in this country? The government engages in a series of procurements without uh, recourse or regard uh, to law. Um, this one from Prince Henry in Koforia says, Good evening, to be sincere, corruption has become a social intervention program uh, under the and uh, nanado led government. It says the next NDC government uh, uh, has a mammoth tax to do by investigating all these alleged corrupt dealings under the government and prosecuting them if found guilty. Uh, Baba Chairman says, If there is something the Hon. black Blakwa knows about this contract, he should put it out for all to see. This is not the first time the NDC MPs have run to this institution. That is a Sino-Hydro contract in mind. And this just is just much ado about nothing, you say. Alaji Hamdan from Nohini says, Honorable Ablakwa is the only MP who is working in the interest of Ghanaians. God bless him. Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM will take a short break. We'll return with more. Don't go away.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
4: Let's do some more stories. The Speaker of Parliament, Alban Bagbin, has described the boycott of sittings by the Minority Caucus as a breach of the standing orders of the House. The standing orders of Parliament stipulate that a member of Parliament shall vacate his or her seat after being absent for 15 sittings without permission by the Speaker and is unable to provide a reasonable explanation to the effect. Alban Bagbin said the Minority Caucus has not officially notified his office of their decision to shun the House for court sittings.
6: Yes, a member can choose not to attend the sittings of Parliament. A member, if he wants not to attend, but wants to be recorded as being absent because a permission has been granted. That permission has to be granted by the speaker in writing. That is what guides attendance to the house. So you can choose to attend, and you can choose not to attend. Now, when you choose not to attend, depending on your own action, you could be marked as absent, and that means without permission, or absent with permission. Now, the permission means there's evidence, not oral, but in writing, that the speaker has granted you that permission to be absent. And so the burden will now shift onto you as a group to show evidence that my good self has granted you permission to absent yourselves in writing, not verbal. We have two documents. One is the official report. The official report will definitely capture what the minority leader stated that day, that any time a colleague of yours is to attend court proceedings, you will solidarize with that colleague, and you will be absent. To participate with that colleague in the court proceedings so the official report will capture that now anytime you want to do so if you want the permission in writing of that you have to seek it if you don't seek it and you don't have it you will be it as absent that is without permission i cannot come and use any verbal language or words to grant you permission it must be in writing and so i think the table office is right in saying that you've been absent without permission that is what our rules say now Walk out means you have attended sitting, and during the course of the proceedings, something might have cropped up that you totally disagree with. You have made contributions yourself, but you want to draw the attention of the public, particularly the Ghanaian citizens, of your revulsion as to what took place on the floor of the house. So you walk out and go and address the public. In mature democracies, after that, you come back to continue with the proceedings of the day. If you feel strongly and you want to continue, you don't return to the floor. That is a walkout. A boycott, you just don't attend the sitting. You boycott the business. It doesn't necessarily mean the whole day. No. The House, for example, will suspend sitting, and you know that the next item is something that you disagree with. You can decide to boycott that item on the other paper, and that will be a boycott. That is not a walkout because you don't attend. You don't come and sit. When the matter is raised, then you walk out. That will be a walkout, not a boycott. In Ghana, we take representation in parliament seriously. The attendance of parliamentary proceedings is taken seriously. Now, we define it not to only include plenary sessions but also to include committee meetings and you know committee meetings is also part of plenary sessions or other businesses of the house which has compelled you to be even outside the presence of parliament but that should be on record
4: you heard the speaker of parliament alban badbin
1: all right, let's stay with Parliament now. The uh, ranking member on the Finance Committee of Parliament, Isaac Adongo, has criticized the Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. N. S. Addison, for failing to file the financial statements of the central bank for almost six months now. The MP says the law stipulates that the Bank of Ghana must publish its assets and liabilities in the Gazette every 15 days and file comprehensive statements at the end of each month. He argues that the bank has not adhered to this directive, thereby falling short of its obligations. Um, he spoke today uh, to the media in, in Parliament and he joins us on the line to uh, provide some more details to exactly what uh, the situation is. Hello, good evening sir, welcome to Eyewitness News. Is is this breach a recent phenomenon or has it something that has been happening for some time in, at the Bank of Ghana?
2: Well, you know that the Bank of Ghana is the chief Compliance institution in terms of our financial sector and regulatory environment. Mm. And it holds entities that it regulates to account for failing to comply with its own regulations and the laws under which they operate. As a matter of fact, the Bank of Ghana has been very quick to revoke licenses of financial institutions, it has been very quick to impose fines on institutions that have failed to comply with these regulations and the requirements of the law. And so you expect such a compliance institution to live above board. But most importantly, because the Bank of Ghana is the foremost financial institution in our country, the banker of the the government, and the reservoir of all our financial assets are in the hands of the Bank of Ghana. So it is not just about publishing your financial statements at the end of the year, but it is to give clarity to the people of the country as to how you have managed its resources. Uh, And there are very clear rules in the Bank of Ghana Act to ensure that. You do know that the banks are mandated uh, to file their financial statements by the end of April, and some require them to even what we call the long-form audit report, which is an elaborate, you know, breakdown of almost every single item on the balance sheet of of, of these banks and should be certified by their auditors. The Bank of Ghana, we all know, and I accuse them, they came to deny, that admitted to IMF, that they have been printing money at reckless abandon, the result of which has led to high inflation, as we speak today, the inflation is inching up from 41 to 42.1, and now it's 42.7, all because of the reckless printing and pumping of money into the economy. Interest rates have been over the roof. Uh, depreciation of the city is very rampant. And these are the key, three key principal uh, objectives that the Bank of Ghana should achieve within the monetary policy space. The financial sector is in turmoil. We are losing in excess of $20 billion by the banks as a result of DBEP, that the Bank of Ghana watched on and allowed the banks to risk all their assets on the government of Ghana, even though the assets that they were buying were toxic. The rating agencies had warned that the government was not likely to be able to pay off those debts, but the Bank of Ghana still encouraged them. As we speak today, the Bank of Ghana is trying so hard to conceal 54 billion Ghana cities of loss $5.4 billion, that is a whole account that wipes out the entire monetary base and the entire reserve funds of our country, thereby making the Bank of Ghana incapable of funding any, and I mean any monetary operation without printing money. In other words, they have run the Bank of Ghana into an empty shell that has lost everything that it owns. And they are struggling to cover this up. That is why seven months down the line, they still have not published. And we are worried that we are not just dealing with a government that has been reckless, but we are dealing with a Bank of Ghana that has thrown five point four billion dollars over the line. And we do not know how we are going to deal with that. But the worst of it is that they are failing to comply with their own law and to tell us the length of the snake that has just died. Hmm. And I want to put it on record that the Bank of Ghana governor, Dr. Addison, must know that I'm watching him very closely. In my view, that is a bed, and he cannot hide from the mess and the recklessness that he has put the country in. I want him to come out as quickly as possible, publish the audited reports. I want to serve warning to the auditors that we will review all the standard auditing procedures and the standard auditing practices and international financial standards that are applicable for auditing the Bank of Ghana and will restate all the material facts that are hidden in this process and they must be aware of the risk they carry for not expressing an appropriate opinion on the accounts of the Bank of Ghana and that the Board of Directors must be mindful of their fiduciary responsibilities the governor had the right and he had the authority to use the powers of parliament to insulate him from the negative influence of Ken Ophoriata and the executive. He chose to embrace them hand, uh, in hand and he's messed himself up, messed the country up, and he will face the music.
1: I, I see. I mean, uh, uh, beyond raising the the alarm or raising the issue as, as you did today in parliament and as you're continuing to do, what what can you do using the parliamentary process to 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 compel him, if you like, to uh, publish this financial statement as as the law demands or requires?
2: As, as you are aware, crime has no expiry date. But also remember that I have been at the forefront of using my la- my lawyers to drag him to file his reports that are required in Parliament, which he has stayed away from doing for two years. He has subsequently filed a number of reports, but when the Finance Committee invites him to meet us, he plays games with us, I want to tell him that we are in conversation with the Speaker to to subpoena him to appear before the committee and that we will not, we will not tolerate any such disobedience. The lack of leadership and the zero leadership at the Bank of Ghana cannot be tolerated any further, and he must account to the people's
1: representatives. And we would ensure that happens. I I see. Um, So, so very well. I mean, we we hope to see how the the, the next few days unfold. But on another matter, the the, uh, the finance minister, uh, Ken Oferata, is optimistic uh, that the uh, the, the, the IMF, uh, or Ghana, will meet the criteria for for the release of the second tranche of the three million bailout we we are seeking. Uh, Any observations so far about how Ghana has been faring in in the IMF program.
2: The key variables that they need to meet, and we all know, were the conditions they were supposed to meet before the approval, which they didn't meet, which was to complete the debt restructuring and secure financing assurances. You remember when they came up to say that they had approved their project, the loan, I told you that we did not have financing assurances. Now the minister has subsequently assured that he believes that by September all that will be achieved. But what is he going to be celebrating with 600 million? That he has effectively signed off and sealed it off that Ghana is a country of 31 million bankrupt people, that the height of humiliation will become final in September, that as a matter of fact, as a country, we are not credit-worthy, and that he will have sent out the fact that as a country, you and I cannot pay our debts. That is the height of humiliation. And he should stop giving us that updates.
1: I see. But is there is there nothing to be said for the fact that the, the exchange rate front is seen some stability over the last few months?
2: How do you achieve a state? So if the way if the best way to manage an economy is to refuse to pay your offshore obligations and use those money to fund the markets, is that how to manage an economy? If that is how to manage an economy, then we must as well put robots there. And tell them not to pay our debt to external sources and use those dollars to fund the, the, the liquidity in the market. There is nothing to celebrate.
1: I see. Thank you so much, uh, the Honorable Isaac Adongo, uh, ranking member on the Finance Committee of Parliament, for speaking to us. Eyewitness News on 97.3 uh, City FM. We'll take a short break, return with more. do
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash city 97.3. Twitter at Twitter.com forward slash city 973. And Instagram at Instagram.com forward slash city 973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News.
4: You're welcome back. Now, Parliament has passed the Narcotics Control Commission Amendment Bill 2023. The bill empowers the Ministry of Interior to grant a license for the cultivation of cannabis for industrial and medicinal purposes. The Supreme Court struck out provisions in the Nakota Control Commission Act that allowed for the cultivation of certain kinds of cannabis for medicinal and industrial purposes, arguing that it was legislated in violation of Article 106 of the 1992 Constitution. A review application filed by the Office well, the Attorney General was however dismissed in a 5-4 decision. While debating on the amendment of the bill, members of parliament stressed the need for the cultivation of certain kinds of cannabis. Away from that, the new trial judge presiding over the hearing of the Stephen Opuni case, Justice Tando, has adjourned the case to July 25 for constitution of trial. This comes after the Court of Appeal overturned the decision of Justice Anochijima, who decided not to adopt proceedings under the first judge, Justice Honenuga. Justice Anoshijima, however, was recently reassigned and the case given to a new judge, Justice Abwajitando. The parties, after making their first appearance before Justice Abwajitando, informed him of the decision of the Court of Appeal. Lawyers for Opuni, however, served notice of intention to further make an appeal to the Supreme Court. The judge adjourned the case to July 25 for the parties to request for the records of the ruling to pave way for continuation of the trial. In other news, the tertiary Education Workers Union of Ghana at the University of Development Studies, Tamale Campus, has petitioned the Minister of Education to intervene in what they describe as injustice in some public universities. According to the group, management of UDS is acting contrary to rules that govern the institution, such as inviting a non-member of the group to represent it at the university's University Council's meeting, they are therefore calling on the Minister of Education and the University Council to immediately bring the register to order. Here's a local chairman of TEU UDS, Hermas Abba Aklogo, addressing the press.
7: Council and management should take reasonable steps to activate the process of getting the register to order for the interest of the university community before issues get escalated. This is not the first time the Register of UDS arrogates such authority to himself. He has taken delight and lording over some many things as if he has unlimited and uncontrolled authority. Such incompetent and sinister acts of the Register started when the Council Chairman of UDS, representing the president of the republic by law and in an exercise of that authority sign the appointment letter of the vice chancellor.
4: Hermas Abba Akogo is local chairman of tertiary education workers union of Ghana at the University of Development Studies Tamale campus. The National Executive Council of the new patriotic party will next week decide on the fate of the 10 flag bearer hopefuls cleared by the party's vetting committee. The Professor Michael Quay led vetting committee on Monday, July 10 presented its report to the National Council through the General Secretary. The committee recommended that all 10 candidates be allowed to contest the August 26th Special delegates College elections. Speaking to City News, the General Secretary of the NPP, Justin Kudia from Palm, says the council at the meeting next week may accept partially or wholly the work of the vetting committee.
8: So once the uh, National Council makes its announcement, if it approves more than five people, or approves all the ten, then it sets the tone for the Special Delegate College elections that will come on in August. The Special Delegate uh, College is supposed to trim if the number is more than five to five. And after the Special Delegate election, then it will set another date. Uh, which is November 4th, from the main presidential is that will elect our flag bearer. So basically, that is what is going to happen after the special delegate election. Well, they are already doing their campaign, even before they went for the vetting. So the status quo still remain. They can still go ahead with their campaign. And I'm sure uh, the vetting uh, the National Council will give a positive uh, response to the recommendation by the vetting committee.
4: You heard the General Secretary of the NPP, Justin Kodia Frimpon.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash city 97.3. Twitter at Twitter.com forward slash city 973. And Instagram at Instagram.com forward slash city 973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed.
3: Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. I am ni lati lati. Let's settle for the details now. Economist Professor Godfrey Bokpin has suggested that the government urgently take steps to address the country's rising inflationary levels after soaring to record levels in the last quarter of 2022, resulting in a significant rise in the standard of living, Ghanaians heaved a sigh of relief when inflation dropped for three consecutive times in February, March, and April 2023. However, inflation for May and June 2023 peaked, with inflation for June 2023 seeing a slight rise from 42.2% in May to 42.5%. Reacting to this, Professor Godfred Bokpin expressed worry about the rising food inflation and called for action to reverse the trend. But before we hear from Professor Godfrey Bokpin, first listen to government statistician Professor Samuel Kobna and him explaining the inflationary figures for June 2023.
9: Disaggregating the rate of inflation for the month of June 2023 into two broad components, that is locally produced items and imported items, and also from a food and a non-food perspective, food inflation for the month of June 2023 stood at 54.2%, relative to non-food inflation, 53.4%. This signifies about a more than 20 percentage point difference between food and non-food inflation for the month of June 2023. We keep on recording a widening of the gap between food and non-food inflation in the last three months. On a month-on-month basis, we also record a 1.3 percentage point between food inflation and non-food inflation, with food inflation June 2023 standing at 3.9% and non-food inflation month-on-month 2.6%. We continue to see the dominance of imported items in the in the consumer price index and rate of inflation.
3: That's Professor Samuel Kobna Government Statistician. Let's now hear from economist Professor Godfrey Bokwin.
10: The latest figures is a bit concerning because a couple of months ago, we were of the view that the process of disinflation has become entrenched. But what we are seeing with the um, with May inflation and then also June inflation really requires some level of attention. What is a bit concerning is the fact that we are practically entering the harvest season. So to see inflation picking up from May and June heading into July, especially if you look at uh, in terms of the harvest, food inflation and the rate of price change in food. Food inflation is a bit concerning, and therefore, um, the fact that in Ghana the process of disinflation that is at risk right now would should tell us that we need to focus more on on addressing structural bottlenecks within our economy, supply chain issues, especially for uh, local food inflation.
3: That was economist Professor Godfrey Bokpin. Meanwhile, a financial and currency analyst, Courage Bouti, has indicated that the auctioning of dollars by the Bank of Ghana will go a long way to help stabilize the economy and help slow inflation. The Bank of Ghana announced plans to sell 120 million US dollars to BDCs in the third quarter of 2023. Speaking on the issue, Courage Buti said this will help address the forex liquidity challenges
11: and also stabilize the city. Remember, they started with something in excess of 100 million and then it came to 75 million, and now we are doing 40 million each month, really. It was meant to be an intervention to uh, support that strategic industry, really, to bring in oil at prices that may not be overly distortionary, really. And these auctions, these BDCs auctions, are pr- priced close to what the retail market rates are. So the distortion that IMF complained about at the time. Uh, is actually not what um, is happening in this particular uh, auction, really. Uh, but then the volume, I must say, is just a fraction of what the BDCs need, really. Uh, we know uh, from some official records that the monthly oil import bill uh, is in excess of $400 million, really. So $40 million is, is, is is a minute fraction of that, really. And that is why, even if we do not have data on... Uh, the extent to which the gold for oil policy is helping bridge that financing gap. On paper, it sounds like uh, a a reasonable initiative at a time where we are struggling with reserves and all of that to try to manage the oil import bill and how we fund it so that we do not expose the ordinary Ghanaian to so much price fluctuations really. Courage Bouti is a financial and
3: currency analyst. Away from that, and the Ministry of Public Enterprises says it is planning. Of disposing of 17 defunct state-owned enterprises, including the state construction company, the Bonsata factory and Bogatanga meat factory, among others. According to the ministry, a review of the companies revealed that the enterprises are liabilities to the country because they have been causing financial losses to the state. The Minister for Public Enterprises, Joseph Kujo, has stated that the ministry intends to list some of these enterprises on the stock market to attract investors to revive them.
12: When we come to the public sector space, we can envisage it as um, a portfolio of enterprises. Now, if you take the defunct ones and the active ones, 17 defunct as we count on uh, our records now, we have these defunct entities which government is taking steps to dispose of them because the best government is doing now is just incurring costs to take care of it, but people are vandalizing the assets every day. And it's uh, a, disturb- a, a disturbing situation so far as the public enterprises portfolio is concerned. The- this comes through our study of uh, the current situation and then making the projection and realizing that they are just siphoning money from government purse and have become liabilities rather than assets. There are some, upon the review, we intend listing them on the stock market because it is possible to uh, get the investment public, Ghanaians, having equity stakes in them. So it's like a clean-up of the portfolio so that we get those that are active and can be invested in to grow and generate jobs for the good people of Ghana.
3: Joseph Kujo is the minister responsible for public enterprises and finally, The Cybersecurity Authority says it will not relent on its efforts in ensuring that activities of unlicensed digital lending apps or loan apps are clamped down. This comes on the back of a soup by the Joint Cybersecurity Committee comprising the Cybersecurity Authority, the Bank of Ghana, and the Economic and Organized Crime Office, Yoko, which led to the arrest of more than 400 suspects, including one Chinese and a Pakistan, engaged in loan app operations in the Greater Accra region. Here is the Director General of the Cybersecurity Authority, Dr. Albert Ntribusiakou, speaking on the arrest.
13: Additionally, it was discovered that these lending apps have assessed personal data such as messages, contact details, images, and videos from the devices of borrowers, which was then used to blackmail them. Borrowers were also threatened to have their identities published by owners of these lending apps. These actions, ladies and gentlemen, are in infringement of the protected rights of individuals enshrined in the 1992 Constitution and equally violate the data protection principles provided under Section 13 of Ghana's Data Protection Act at age 43. On Monday, July 10th, 2023, at half past nine in the morning, a team comprising personnel from the Economic and Organized Crime Office, led by Mamiya T. Westing, the Cyber Security Authority, led by the Law Enforcement Liaison Unit of the Authority, and Bank of Ghana, together with the Ghana Police Service, conducted a swoop at three separate locations in Accra, effecting the arrest of more than 400 persons. 400 persons
3: within a speed of fewer hours. Dr. Albert Andrew Bouziako is the Director General of the Cybersecurity Authority. That's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by our most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ni nee Lati Lati. Up next, is point blank.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
1: Welcome back to the Point Blank segment of Eyewitness News Tonight on Point Blank we explore an interesting matter very important one indeed which has to do with the matter of child trafficking or suspected cases of child trafficking As you may well know Ghana has been in the news many times for cases of child labor and child trafficking. So, sometime late last year, the International Justice Mission, an international organization, carried out what they called a rescue mission. And rescued some four Ghanaian children from the clause of child labor and child trafficking. Not long after, the BBC's Africa Eye conducted its own investigations into the said, you know, rescue mission, called it Operation Hilltop, and found some worrying. Or made some worrying revelations. And they claim that many of these were staged and that many of the kids were not really trafficked. They were kids living with their relatives. Also, well, we have the two sides tonight the BBC's Africa Eye and the International Justice Mission. So we break down the matters. And see where the real issues lie. So, I start off uh, by speaking to a um, friend, Nyama, who, who is a producer with the BBC Africa Eye Team, who actually produced this BBC documentary. To understand why they undertook this investigation into the work of the um, IJM and what exactly they found. Hello, good evening, um, our friend Yama. Welcome to Point Blank. Good evening, Salam. Um, thanks for having me. Yes, it, it's, it's been a while we spoke, and I, I guess you're doing well at the BBC where you are now. I'm doing fantastic yourself. Yes, I'm, yes, I'm well by God's grace. I, I read uh, the, the, the report. Uh, you you filed after the uh, uh after the documentary, and the opening paragraphs of that report actually uh, uh, you know they they are they, they are heart wrenching. I mean to say the least. Let me just take a few paragraphs, then then, then you can help us appreciate them properly. You said a little after midnight on the sixth September two thousand twenty two, Musa Mustafa emerged from his thatched roof hut to relieve himself and saw four cars speeding towards this tiny village. Mojina was barely a village with just, with just about a handful of family homes and two dozen people in total. It was more like a dot in the middle of an expanse of farmland in northern Ghana. Cars were a rare sight during the day, let alone at night. Musa had, or Musa hid behind a tree and watched when he saw armed men from the cars approach the two homes. He shouted in an attempt to wake the other residents but before anyone could act the men entered the hut and forcibly removed four children carrying an 11-year-old girl called Fatima by her arms and legs from the room where she had been sleeping with grandparents a gun pointed at her neck Fatima's grandmother Sana pleaded with men with the men she did not understand why the children were being taken away two of the children's uncles were also taken Sana feared she would never see her relatives again. Uh, in the eyes of the Mojina villages, a violent kidnapping had taken place. But that was not a kidnapping. So that really uh, is your narration of what the IGM will call a rescue mission. So what actually motivated your uh, your investigation into this particular uh, uh, incident or rescue mission?
14: Ego sources close to the operations and activities of IGM, specifically in Ghana, drew the attention of the BBC Africa I team to um, situations they described as worrying so far as the operations of IGM is concerned. So uh, we then got to work and uh, did uh, speak to additional sources. And for example, I visited some of these islands uh under consideration so far as igms operations in ghana is concerned spoke to affected families uh, families who said they had been affected by the uh, quote-unquote rescue missions of igm and also the uh, some of the children uh, who uh, narrated incidents to us and this then um, triggered the next stage of the investigation which was the undercover operation. And this was not a decision we took lightly. Of course, it was in uh, the public interest and we needed to corroborate the initial evidence we had gathered. And so if you have seen the documentary, what happened next was for us, for the BBC Africa Eye team to send um, one of our colleagues to work at the IGM offices in Accra, uh, posing as an intern This gave us also uh, uh, the opportunity to monitor at at first hand the operations of IGM. For example, uh, text messages, WhatsApp messages, because our operative had access to an IGM phone. And that is the outcome of uh, the the months and weeks of this investigation. Subsequently, my colleague, Chen Chahine who is a reporter in this. Uh, investigation, also visited some of the communities in Napale area, went back to a Chiaman from in the Afran Plains area, and so on, to gather additional evidence. So that gives you a clear idea of the amount of work that has gone into this uh, for more than two years uh, in total, really. And uh, to talk about the, the, the specific cases we identified and we focused on in terms of IGM's operation. Uh, you, the, what you talked about and referred in that article was Operation Hilltop, which was just last year in September 2022. Uh, there was also Operation Freedom, which was in a chairman from in a chairman from is in Plains area. That was in October 2019. We also focused on an IGM operation in April 2017, which was in the Pal- Pala Island. And surrounding communities. Now let me break it down and give you the details in terms of the main highlights of our documentary and our findings. In Operation Hilltop, which was in Moina, Moina is a, a village in the Napale area in the northern region. Uh, this was a dawn operation by uh, IGM, so yeah, and in this operation four kids were removed and according to the grandmother of two of the kids that's fatima who you see in our documentary when the igm team um entered their heart broke uh, barged into their their heart at, at that time of the day they did not identify themselves they did not say who they were they did not talk about their mission there they and according to the grandmother of fatima the igm team pointed a gun at her throat Fatima was then held by her hands and her legs, and she was taken away together with her sibling. And the two other children were also removed and separated from their families. Now, what is interesting, another point we raise in this documentary relative to the Operation Hilltop is that, prior to that operation, and as is evidenced in the documentary, The International Justice Mission's uh, office in Accra, Ghana, had written to the Department of Social Welfare indicating that they had uh, found um, uh, four cases of child trafficking. And this was what led to that particular operation. But we identify and we have evidence presented in the documentary that prior to that operation, uh, IJM officials knew that Three of the cases did not fit the child trafficking you know criteria. Yet, they wrote to the Department of Social Welfare, and based on that information, that operation was carried out. If you listen to the narration of the uh, grandmothers, they say they did not know where the children were. They made attempts and efforts to know where the children had been taken to. In fact, not only that. Two of the uncles of the children faced prosecution. And eventually it was discontinued by the prosecutors uh, for suggesting lack of evidence. But they say that they spent about a thousand five hundred CDs each time they had to come to Accra for the court hearings. And in, 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 in regard to, to with regard to the uh, this same operation again, Selom. Uh, uh, the the residents of Moina tell the BBC Africa uh, I team and in the conversation with uh, my colleague Chen Chen that the chief of the village died out of shock um, after the the kids were taken away in fact they say that the uh, IGM team badged into his 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 heart in a very disrespectful manner as well now let's look at no, no, yes,
1: I, I wish I had a lot of time, but, but I, I think yeah. your, your narration on Operation Hilltop provides us enough further to, 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 to progress our discussion. So, so maybe I would just want to thank you. We'll, we'll get back to you a bit later if, if we need to. But I, I think your, your information on the Operation Hilltop gives us enough basis to, 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 to engage the IGM on, 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 on the matters. So, afraid thanks so much for speaking to us, and thanks so much for. The job you do at BBC Africa Eye. Thank you so much. We'll speak again some other Thank time. You. All Thank right. You, yes. So, so, yeah. So, so that is um, the BBC Africa Eye's uh, uh, producer, uh, Ghana's own Afren Yama, speaking to us on what they found in their investigation. In the studio, also with me, is Anita Budu, who is country director of the International Justice Mission, uh, to help us also appreciate really matters from their uh, point of view. Um, hello. Um, welcome to uh, Point Blank.
15: Good evening, Salomon. Thank you very much um, for the opportunity to speak into this issue this evening. Very
1: well. It's a, it's a pleasure. So so we, we saw this report um, and we were, I mean, some were happy that indeed children were being rescued from the cause of child trafficking, etc. Only to see another side of the, the, the activities you carried out that indeed some of these children were not even trafficked after all. They were not even in child labor. They were happily living with their relatives. You know, how did you receive the BBC Africa Eye report?
15: Um, We received the BBC Africa Eye report and looked at it in detail. Mm. Um, And looking at it, we didn't just review, of course, many of the revelations in there um are quite shocking. Mm. Um to us, what we did when we received the I- initial report was to do an internal inquiry and investigation into the case. Mm. And what we find from our side is that there are a lot of inaccuracies um, and misportrayals of IGM's work within this documentary. Mm. Um, if I was to back up a bit, there was a lot of references to IGM operation, IGM rescue IGM did that. That is the first thing I would point out as an inaccuracy. Mm. Um, In Ghana, IGM is an NGO, and there is a a mandate. An NGO's mandate is restricted. There is only there is set by law what we can and cannot do. Mm. IGM's mandate in Ghana is to provide support to public justice systems to be able to be strengthened and provide justice solutions and support to every vulnerable child in Ghana. Mm. And so whether it's the most remote village um, in the country or whether it's in Accra, I believe that every child should have that access to support services. Every child should not be subject to abuse and exploitation. Mm. Now, when we come to the issue of trafficking on the lake, it is not a simple issue. It is not a clear-cut issue. Mm. And so, again, something that I have head, um, is that it's a cultural thing. Um, We, as children, children learn the trade of their parents. And yes, Mm. that is true. Many of us as children worked and helped and supported our parents. Many children um, before school may go to their farm after school would help their parents. These are not the cases we are talking about. Mm. We are talking about a spectrum from where within child labour and hazardous labour, A child's health is being compromised. Their development is being compromised. Their morals are being compromised. And on the other spectrum, when you go far down to trafficking, these are the most vulnerable group because they have been taken from one place to another for the specific purpose of exploitation. Hmm. And I have directly heard stories from these children. They are told that your role, your job in life, is to work for me Hmm. and so quite often these fishermen also have their own children who they do take care of and these trafficked children are treated to me not like human beings and not like children Hmm. and so the most heartbreaking story i have seen and heard is a child where upon rescue was giving food on a table and all the other children were eating. and i saw him go to the bin and pick up food and so I left, asked, the
1: food, left the food on the table. He didn't.
15: To, he did not touch it. He, did went not to even look, he Went to pick from the bin Went to pick from mm. the bin. The the bones that others had eaten, and it was in the but, but, bin. But that, that
1: should be an isolated case, and because one of the cases in point, the the case of Fatima. Fatima appeared quite very happy with uh, with where she was living, with her grandmother, grandfather, etc. Yes. Before she was she was taken in the manner that the Africa I described. Yes. Two, two things. This was a person quite happy with with life, generally before she was taken away in that manner. Mm -hmm. And is is that the way you encourage, you know, the rescue mission or the rescue to to, to take place? I mean, storming the place, gunpoint, whisking the people away, no explanation to the people, the relatives, etc. Is is that a practice?
15: Not at all. That is not the practice. Before IJM embarks on any intervention or Mm -hmm. provides information to the government authorities, There are weeks and weeks of gathering information. So many a time it's um, someone who alerts or a member of the community who says, I've seen this, I'm concerned about Mm. it. And so there are weeks of investigation and going into detail and lots of back and forth. Mm. Back and forth does happen within the team because you don't just take one person's word from it. We have... Um, professionals from different expertise or different fields to discuss these cases and see the merits from the program um, you would see that there was within this particular hilltop case there was one that w- there was clear evidence pointing to a case of trafficking and mm. um, the other three it was not so clear mm. it was right this is where i say that you have trafficking you have exploitation you have hazardous labor and sometimes with the information that you have it's very difficult to determine that we sent that information to the police and the it was outlined the facts of the case were outlined the, but, but the, the of information the is were you were outlined.
1: aware that these three were not actually trafficked but i mean the, the claim is that you painted a picture as if they they, they were trafficked children or they, they they were persons which well they were persons who uh, uh who who were within the the, the kind of people you you were targeting or you 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 wanted so even in spite of information pointing to the fact that no these guys did not fit the bill you still went ahead and then suggested same to the authorities and then they went to do what they did
15: in the initial information that was gathered, it Mm. was not clear it was not clear cut and so when presented to the authorities a decision was made to intervene normally when there's an intervention in many cases in other crimes um, There's an intervention and there are interviews, there are assessments done, and then a decision made in terms of pre- proceeding. Mm. But subsequently subsequent so it was do- a com- it was a complex case. Mm. There were, there was a need for assessment, mm. and so that intervention was done. And the when the intervention was done and the interviews were done, both the police, government agencies, police and DSW determined that at that point there was a need for the children to be out of that situation, and the ch- charges were brought. Um, to the suspects again, IJM can't come and say this is what should be done. Our role is to provide support and mm. equip and guidance. Uh, yes, yeah, so,
16: so so, so
1: will I, I will IGM know the mode or how they, they rescue or they get these kids? Uh, you know, the, the case of Mojina, still, uh, yes. um, um, I mean, uh, when I read it, I, it's, it's, I, I was I, yes. very, very concerning. Yes, so so does IGM know how these rates, I mean, for lack of a better word. Are carried out, you know, because if, if indeed how they described it was how it really happened, is this something the IGM IGM would be worried about?
15: When we completed our in- inquiries, the description of the team on the ground is not the description that we are getting from the um, narration or for the from the documentary. Mm.
1: You spoke to the grandmother of the girl and the the, the uncles and all those people who are around who who purportedly saw. What happened? Did you speak to them in in your in your interviews later?
15: We did not speak to those community members. We spoke to members of staff who had been on the ground.
1: So that dawn, where the raid occurred, I mean, the, your staff were part of the police people who went there. Is that the case?
15: The our staff were supporting the police, mm. and the actual intervention, the police made the intervention. However, we did not observe where when a police has to intervene in a situation, they assess mm. and they determine how many people need to be in. Normally, in doing a trauma-informed approach, any um, officer who will be dealing with a child will not be in uniform to 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 give a more trauma-informed approach so mm. that the child is not um, distressed. Mm. But, but the I, police just, will I, determine mm. um, how to go in. Sometimes, and, and from our observation, the police use a measured approach. Our observation in this particular case was that there was explanation as to what was going on and there was a measured approach. We did not observe mm. this situation of the gun. We did not observe but, but, that I, I on find it quite road. concerning um, that
1: after this documentary had come out and you, you, you wanted to, to ascertain what the truth was, you, you did not see it necessary to talk to the grandmother who Africa I had spoken to. I, I would expect that you'd have spoken to her. You hear her side of the story, try to locate, where well, it's a small community of about just a dozen people, locate the people that Africa I claim they spoke to to see if the stories will be different. And maybe that could inform how you proceed next time. You know, and yes, I I was wondering why you did not do that.
15: Well, at this point, it could at this point I wouldn't deem it as appropriate to mm-hmm. go in that situation to go and speak to that grandmother. Someone has made the account I, as an entity, can't go and, and and if I'm going to ask, it's in a sense a sense saying, are you telling the truth? Mm. Um, I think that the as we are supporting, it would make sense for a more independent entity mm. to ask that question rather than IJM go and say we had this, this is this thing. What is your? I I I don't think it's the most ethical thing for us to now go to the grandmother again mm. and ask those questions. To that also, I would say that whilst we have not found wrongdoing from our team or from IJM Ghana in this particular um, case, we are an organization that prioritizes the well-being and protection of every child and safeguarding of every child. And this is what motivates us in the work that we do. This is what drives us to protection, protection of our children in Ghana. And so as we move every operation we support every operation we work in there is always a review Mm -hmm. what we call an after action review we learn from that Mm -hmm. and we implement and we always look to grow and so from this that has come out we also look to review our policies Mm -hmm. our safeguarding policies and look to um, improve and grow as we go we are learning organization IGM ghana started in 2015 I started with the team as 2050. You see me as country director now. Mm. I actually started as a social worker Mm. with the aftercare team. And so it's very very close to my heart Mm. because the reason I joined this team is because I have a passion for children. Mm. I'm a social worker. I have a passion for children and the children of Ghana. Mm. And so it is my life mission um, to ensure that there are structures in place to and protect every child things are not simple things are not straightforward they Mm. are very complicated Mm. and but through it all we work to improve and get better and also work with other organizations other NGOs other entities other government bodies to together look to see what we can do to keep moving forward Mm. and number one outline and ensure that the whole of Ghana knows that this is a real problem. Mm. It is not something that is exaggerated. There have been many studies, and um, I really had wished. My biggest wish in all of this is that there had been discussions with survivors and mm. um, children who've been in these situations for two, five, ten years, for them no, to they, say they, they, their
1: There surely, there surely are a difficult situation. There surely are children in, in these situations. I mean, yes. there's, there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But, but I think the, 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 the concern is. Sometimes these stories are exaggerated for whatever reason, and they don't they don't paint us in the, in the correct light. If the cases are the way they are stated, no problem. Mm-hmm. But to stage to to use the word of I mean to to use uh, to to borrow from what the Africa Eye says to stage it for whatever purpose. That is what I think. Yes. That's where the concern is. Yeah, so So my so, yeah, so, just, just, okay. just, so for for example, in the manner in which the Africa Eye claims. They stormed the village. I don't know what other approaches are available, given it's a small village. I don't know what resistance they anticipated. Couldn't the police or the DSW? Couldn't they have invited a family? to the police station or to the office somewhere yes. to tell them and take the child away we from that the situation.
15: The, again, Like I said, depending on the community, depending on the situation, be, depending on the intelligence and information that is received, there are different means that are used. There have been situations. And going there, there have been cases, at night
1: or at ha- dawn, that, that's also, that will also be traumatizing, traumatizing to the child you're hoping to save.
15: To the question that I was mm. responding, there mm. have been situations where it's been assessed, and somebody has said, "Bring the child to DSW office," and that intervention has been done, and there was no issue mm. that, uh, that that was done. Um, to the um concern about it being done at dawn, again, various dynamics and various variables need to be looked at when an intervention is being done mm. and the well-being of the child is also looked at within within that and so again you have to a lot has to be balanced well-being of the child if we're looking at a situation where someone is at significant risk of harm or there is harm being done making an intervention at dawn where you're likely to be able to take that child out of that situation or going, let me say, in the afternoon when they've already left to go fishing and they are not there, or you go into a different dynamic and it's not you're less likely to find the person. Mm. All these things have to be considered. And so the aim I would have to really, really emphasize is not to stage anything. So, so what it's learnings to,
1: yeah, what learnings have we made? from uh, this particular instance or situation, Africa Eye coming to say, I mean, from their investigation, that this is what they found, contrary to what you put out there. I mean, just one or two learnings from this and how that will influence, you know, our future operations.
15: I think number one, and one of the learnings that I am taking on board or the organization is taking on board is coming with our government agencies and our government partners and looking really at... Process and procedure, and what can be done to further um, improve what is already in place, um, to ensure that children are protected in mm. the long term, in the bigger picture. Mm. But then also through the direct interventions, these um, nuances and unique situations are looked at. This, this, this is, yeah, this, this is a unique situation, and um, but we always look to improve. Um, the other thing that um, has been highlighted that I'll just want to say is that what we are driven by is the protection of children and not targets. Or any other things like that. Um, however, if there is even one person in the team that feels that that is the case, this is something that we'll be going through in terms of trainings mm-hmm. and internal capacity Very buildings well. to ensure that that is not the case. Very
1: well. Thank you so much, Anita Budu. Wish you had more time to talk, but I think we'll talk. We'll be talking more as the, the days uh, go by. Thank you so much. So we've been speaking to Anita Budu who is country director for the International Justice Mission. Which is an NGO devoted to helping children and rescuing children in child labor and, and, and who have been trafficked. Uh, their recent work has come under some um, challenge by the BBC Africa Eye. And we've just been talking about that. earlier, you heard our friend Riyama, a producer with the BBC Africa Eye team. Um, so, this is how we conclude today's edition of the program. Uh, we've been live from our studios here at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka, in a crowd shows being produced by uh, Nana Kobna Wilson. Uh Sammy, we are Weafi Beverly, London. Earlier you heard uh Ennu Safo. Technical assistance given by uh Daniel Squash. My name is Selom Adun. Um have a good night.
0: City News, we speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302 and get interactive
16: on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City 973.